Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AEW Dynamite. Michael Hamlet right now taking part in the egg and spoon race at his uh, school sports day. <laughs> but Sidgwick, what did you make of last night's show? I think it'd be a boxer with that heed. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I first. Booted up Fight TV at, what was it, half four in the morning. And the first thing I saw was a very dimly lit arena mm-hmm. that looked like, it, like I'm not being a bad faith guy, probably had about 3,000, but it looked like it was 900. Mm. Was it Saskatoon? Saskatoon. Um, it looked like it had about 900 people in there. It was like the self-consciously dark, dimly lit, Let's hide the reality of the situation. So as much as I thought there were things on the show that were really fun, I'm really quite emotive. There was this instant ceiling lowered over the vibe and the atmosphere. Um, So I just could never escape that, oh, this atmosphere is really flat and it's going to hamper my enjoyment of the entire two hours. But there was some stuff that I liked quite a bit on this show. And there was some stuff that I liked the atmosphere of, Mm. uh, sorry, the idea of, if not quite the execution. Yeah, there was bits on this show where I was sort of transported back to childhood me watching wrestling. It's amazing how sometimes they can just do stuff and you're like, all my cynicism goes away and I'm just genuinely like, yeah, wrestling is the best. Um, so I had a great time watching this show, and I was yeah pleasantly surprised by the uh, the swerve uh, at the end of it. But we'll get to that in due course with the uh, reveal of the Blood and Guts uh, fifth men. Before that, though, we'll start at the beginning of the show, which opened with Chris Jericho versus Commander. I, I assumed, for some reason, I just assumed this was the main event, so I was completely thrown. I was like, okay, straight into it, are we? Uh, and obviously Jericho gets the reaction he's going to get in, in Canada. Uh, he takes over early on against Commander, um, who re- fires back with that corner headstand into a drop kick that he does. Uh, multi-springboard Hurricane Rana sends uh, Jericho to the floor. Uh, Commander follows that up with a tornado, but then 
flies through the air and just gets nailed by a Jericho forearm, which looked great. Uh, Commander came back uh, only to get hip-tossed out to the floor to take us to a break. When we come back, Commander fights out of a superplex, hits that rope walk shooting star that he does. Uh, Jericho goes for some sort of springboard attack, missed that, goes to the floor, and Commander obviously does that insane rope walk dive that he does. Phoenix Splash, when they get back inside, gets him a two-count. He goes for another big rope walk thing, but Jericho turns it into a code breaker in midair. Commander dodges the Judas effect, tried the springboard Dragon Rana, but Jericho counted into a brutal-looking Lion Tamer for the submission victory. I think I like the finish more than the body of the match. Um, Jericho was at once a really good base. Like, that double powerbomb sequence yes. was unbelievable. Um, so he was a base in some phases of the match, but there were times when I was like, you I got to do a better job of catching him. Mm-hmm. And like Commander's like a really sprightly young wrestler, so he's not gonna get killed by anything like that. Um, but there was just no like I call it collision detection when it has to look impactful when I see Lucha aerial based spots now. I think the standard for this sort of style has been raised so um exponentially over the last however many years that when I don't see someone just collide mm. into someone, just take the full brunt. I always just get, the, the immersion gets broken. Mm-hmm. Like, look, it's not fair to compare this to Vikingo Omega, right? But, my God, remember the first spot of that match when Omega's, like, making his entrance and Vikingo just flattens him with a dive and Omega just flatbacks mm. with him, just practically Velcroed to his body and he's just took it all. When you see these sort of, I'm just going to fall under the gust of wind that you've generated yes. from this spot. It just never looks good. Um, but I was drifting out of the match to a degree um, throughout because of the lack of collision detection. But when he based towards the finish in that really great counter to do the um, the actual finish, like they they got there in the end yes. for me. And it wasn't a blow-away match, but it was respectable, I think. Yeah, I didn't come out of it because we were sort of discussing this. I wasn't the, electrified. No, but we were talking about on the preview yesterday going, uh-oh, if this is the setup for him being an out spot of blood and guts and it's a, you know, dumpster fire, yeah. then we're in real trouble. I didn't think it was, oh, my God, this guy has to be in blood and guts, but I also didn't think, God, don't put him anywhere near that yeah. match. Now, possibly it's neither now nor stomach. Yeah. Neither now nor I like the finish, yeah. The finish was really good. Um, I do have concerns about Jericho's role in Blood and Guts, um, but maybe we'll save that one for next week. Yeah, and I feel like you've got uh, going well. bigger concerns for Chris Jericho a little bit later on in this show. Oh, God damn it, yeah. So, uh, post-match, Don Callis' music hits. He comes out, obviously gets the reaction you'd expect. Um, he says the, the wrestling world is buzzing about Jericho joining the Don Callis family. Um, talked about being in a faction with Jericho 30-odd years ago with their mentor, Bad News Allen. There's footage of them from, uh, I think, 1995, um, with Callis calling themselves a couple of gods. Uh, and uh, Jericho, you know, got good memories from back then, and uh, Allen telling them they should always stick together. Don said, look, we didn't keep our promise, but I'm feeling emotional. He's, he's tugging at the heartstrings of Jericho. Uh, Bad News is up there right now, smiling just at the possibility of us reuniting and you becoming a part of the Don Callis family. Let me know when you're ready, but you know what bad news would want, and Jericho's just left staring up at the sky. Yeah. Bit weird. <laughs> Nothing? I mean, it's particularly on a, sh- you know, 
they deal with loss, obviously, quite a lot in, in, in AEW, and particularly on a show where you've got someone whose father unfortunately passed away and now he's fulfilling his wrestling dream almost by, by participating in AEW. Just a weird correlation between those two. Yeah, it was. I found, found it a bit odd. Like, what I really like about AEW, um, ultimately one of my favourite things about the entire promotion is the level of thought mm. that they put into it to help um, immerse the fans into the, um, the storylines. Like, the best example was when Garcia had joined JAS before we got the explanatory promo, and I'm thinking, how oh, mm. I understand the business reason. You want Garcia in a role where he can showcase more personality and evolve as a TV star and all the rest of it. But I thought, I can see the business reason. What's the fiction here? Mm. Why would the Daniel Garcia character join the JAS, given everything I know about his work and style and all the rest of it? And then it was revealed that Jericho had contributed to the GoFundMe when Garcia had had that horrific car accident yeah. with um, a lot of the other Brooklyn um, emerging stars. So that was a fantastic, fantastic, crucial, believable detail. Yeah. This one didn't feel like that to me. Maybe I'm being harsh, but um, at least it's a way to get these two like into a believable alignment. Mm. And I, in I, theory, I guess. I like, you know, Don Callis, evil manipulator. He soon. You saw it with, with Omega. Once he starts getting his claws into someone, it's very difficult. Yeah. Because he, he knows, yeah, what notes to play on to, to get people to, to have their heads sort of turned. And, and like you say, uh, just because, spoiler alert, he's not in blood and guts. Mm. Not in the match. Mm, yes, exactly. Um, uh, pointless development next, or actually not even a development. They just did the same thing basically as last week. Uh, Alex Marvez in the parking lot. Jungle Boy's hiding in his car. It's an unsafe working environment, of course. And uh, he, Marvez knocks on the window, yeah. And uh, before he can uh, even get anywhere, basically, uh, he realizes, oh, Hook snuck in the, behind me in the other side. Yes, <laughs> and uh, scrambles away to get away. Uh, nails Hook with a forearm to, to make his escape. And uh, Hook says, Keep running, Perry. You make this. I thought it was absolutely nout. Absolutely nout, but maybe worse than nout because you have established that Jack Perry's playing a coward. Mm -hmm. That's fine. It's the absolute, it's the only heel role he can play. That's fine. It's a total 180 in terms of this is a guy who they built him as a baby face really well until it went wrong. These are just cycles, I guess. Jack Perry's entire babyface character it wasn't necessarily like a moral compass, although he had it. And it was a big part of it when he was finally drawn by Christian into being like a violent wrestler. But the big thing that endeared Jungle Boy to crowds was his perseverance and his resilience and how much he kicked out of and he didn't know he was beat. This is a complete 180, mm -hmm. which doesn't help. And now, for literally the third week in the the third week in a row, Hook is useless at outsmarting him. Mm. And he gets outsmarted. Now he's getting... He's, I know the idea is, oh, if he could just get his hands on Perry. You want him to get his hands on Perry. Oh, for a third week, he didn't do it. That's meant to make you want it even more. I watched Hook here and thought, three weeks in a row, you can't even get him. Mm. 
like yeah, and, he, and he had the drop on him as well. Yeah, the drop on him as well this time exactly. Um, he just I think it didn't do Hook any favors whatsoever. Right, and <laughs> he wasn't my car. So you know, it's a rental car. It's a rental car. So uh, is, is Jungle Boy gonna have to run to the next show? Also, why show up then if it's an unsafe work environment? Not he's not booked to wrestle. Yeah, this is building to surely a dog collar. When it's the heel mm-hmm. and they are running away, they need to be tethered to the baby face. We yes. saw this with um, MGF and CM Punk. Um, so... No pressure following that, by the yeah, way. Exactly. Snare trap will be a great near fall. False finish with a chain wrapped around. I'm booking... It's probably going to happen in about 12 months. <laughs> knowing how it, knowing we'll do it after Swerve it, Keithley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Uh, Rene Paquette's chatting to Don Callis. He says later on tonight he's going to go out. He's going to make the announcement for the fifth man for the Blackpool Combat Club at Blood and Guts. And Paquette's like, "Oh, you sure you're going to be all right with that? Kenny Omega's in the building. You know, you got a history there." Uh, Don says, "Look, I'm not tough, but there is one guy I'm not afraid of, and that's Kenny Omega. Uh, he's going to be hiding behind the skirts of the young books." Didn't what? need that. No, but. You know, an obvious setup for for what came in the main event, effectively, I suppose. Yeah, what was that line? Didn't like that line. No. Like Callus is really good at getting heat without resorting to that ancient uh, relic, terrible material. Mm. <sighs> it's this wrestling game, eh? It, it never stops. It never stops getting you. So they go to the commentary table. Tony Schiavone says, "One idiot." Is. <laughs> and Escalibur uh, goes, "Oh, from one idiot to another." Here's MJF. <laughs> Time for a bonding session between him and, him and Adam Cole. Yeah, I know what they were going to do, and I still was like, oh, I'm into it. It, yeah. was, it was great. So they're, they're at the bar. They're doing shots. and uh, bro like, session to the call. Another bro session, yeah. Uh, and he asks Cole, where's the shirt? And Cole's like, oh, I've lost it. And there's some chicks walk by. <laughs> Hot chicks, yeah. actually. And MJF goes, oh, two for you, two for me. And Cole's like, no. I'm... With Britt Baker, not bad. Uh, and uh, MGF's like, I can make the cameras go away if that's the issue. <laughs> like, I like, how, I like how they're just there as well. It's, yeah, it's, I'd rather this way around, but it's still pretty contrived. But, uh, I'm, but I'm a pedantic nerd. So yeah, he says, no, nah, I care about Britt Baker. MGF says, so brave. Four for daddy. <laughs> and, uh, and then he walks up to the ladies. I was confused about this bit, Sitch. Okay. Because he goes up to the four ladies and asks if they want to go to the bathroom with him. So is that just making sure they've got their full, you know, hand washing. Because we all kind of got it down, you know, sing the happy birthday song twice during the pandemic era. Is that just yeah, refreshing the like memory? between your fingers and happy birthday to Is that what he was? Happy birthday to Because he came back later and he was spent, so he must have really vigorously taught them. I don't think oh. that's what he was doing. What happened? Well, I'm trying to um, work out the logistics of this, okay? Well, just to clarify, before you, before you get into this, I'll use what he said to maybe help you along. He came back later and he went, the maximum ride is spent. So I don't know what that could mean. Well, I'm assuming that he's ejaculated four times. Oh! Oh, if that makes more well, sense the, than the... That's the fairway, isn't it? There was four women. Yeah. What he's done, Wilborn, right, is, well, it was heavily implied that he's had sexual intercourse, at least, with four women. Wow. Impressive. But I don't know how you do that in a, in a, in a public restroom. Mm. Was it a sort of a, like, your turn, like a consecutive sort of thing? Mm. Or was it all at once? How big are these stalls? <laughs> but 
But I don't know the logistics and the order or if there was no order and it was just like a grab-ass free-for-all or what, but he, the implication with one was like, he did have sex. And it was, I love it. Four women <laughs> that he just banged in a toilet. It's, it's hilarious. That also makes a lot more sense because I thought, well, what would... Why would Brit have a problem with you teaching two young women how to wash their hands properly? Yeah, I think you're getting this. Yeah, because slowly, slowly catching on. And then again, like if you know he's demonstrating on the other on their hands, that yeah. could be like a bit of intimacy yeah. and all the rest of it. But no, no, MJF banged all of them. Okay, got it. So <laughs> Cole's like this is disgusting uh, when he says the maximum ride thing. He says, "All right, Max, full disclosure, I haven't lost the shirt, um, but I'll only put it on." If we do, Jeff lost his shirt. I don't do you get that? Yeah, I think so. Sex. That, that's what it is, isn't it? I don't know. There's a line in Twin Peaks where, I know, I think it's about losing money. Oh, there's a line in Twin Peaks where they go to the One Eye Jacks. It's the casino and as a, a brothel as well. Oh, you lose the shirt off your back, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, because I didn't plan on losing my shirt. Ah. I just want to take it off. So MJF didn't lose a shirt. I did have sex with four women. I do like the bit in, is it Horrible Bosses? When he's like, I wouldn't mind her bending her over a barrel and showing them the 50 states. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, that's a thing that people say. What? I've never seen that one. Oh, it's great, Horrible Bosses. Really good. Um, so yeah, I'll wear the shirt if we do what I want to next. It's like, okay. I mean, he's playing the bloody computer game. Ugh. I like the way they built this, like this sort of whispered, can't tell anyone about this sort of thing. I don't, know why they were in it. I don't know why the cameras were in his house. No. Just have to go with it. Yeah, that one was... Anyway, they're playing Fight Forever and MJF's like... Well, that's a really cool... They're really good at corporate synergy. Yeah, that was nice. It's a weird thing to... I don't want to praise that necessarily. <laughs> yeah. It's not what I watch wrestling for, but they are nonetheless very good at it. So MJF is disgusted by this. Playing video games. But finds out, he finds out he's got pretty decent stats on that game. He's like, oh, maybe I'll give it a chance. And then it, it gets more and more into it. He's like, hey, it's pretty, pretty good fun, actually. Cole's like, yeah, it's great playing with your mates, isn't it? And MJF's like, I've never had that experience before. And I was oh. like, oh. Uh, yeah. Have you ever played a multiplayer game before? That was it. And MJF says, well, you need friends for that. And I was like, oh. He's either, he's such a manipulative yeah. little prick of a character. <laughs> it's so good because I, when he said that, I did, because I've got a heart. It was like, Oh, yeah. it's obviously bollocks. Yes. But, you know, you, you know, you suspend your disbelief. And I went, oh. And it's going to make him, like, even more of this prick when oh, he eventually God. turns on Cole. What was your favorite multiplayer game, IRL? Yeah, SmackDown 2, Know Your Role. Like, yeah, that was the pals, did you? Yeah, that was the, the, we're all got different. And it was all, that was, that was the best Royal Rumble game, I, in my opinion, that they made. Because they made it, la the later editions that they made, I don't even know what that happens in, like, 2K now, for example. Uh... But it was, you know, then it, what they did was like, oh, okay, you only have a set number of, like, escapes or you have to press this certain button combination that flashes up on screen. To, nah, 2K, uh, not 2K, uh, SmackDown 2, no, you're always just hit all the buttons. Hit all the buttons. Just keep hitting punch and kick to try and get back in the ring. Um, and it <laughs> doesn't matter what status your character's in. I distinctly remember we had a Royal Rumble once and it was my mate, who was playing as The Undertaker versus Lita. They were the final two, and he hit her with three last rides and still got eliminated. It's great. It's the best. It's so good. Mario Kart 64 and GoldenEye for me. GoldenEye, yes. I was an N64 kid. 
Mario Kart was great. Like when you got the Rainbow Road um, jump for the shortcut and you did it. Like it was great because you get rage quit, mm-hmm. but in uh, but like a really drawn out version of it where you just get seethed. When you nail it, you've basically won because mm-hmm. it's such a massive um, jump and shortcut. And the other person is pretty screwed. They get the best weapons, but you're nowhere near. Mm. And then they try and do it to catch up, and then they fail, and then they just controller flies everywhere. I've, I was my micro machines guy. As I well. liked micro machines. Great. I'm driving along a dinner table. What? Jumping off a spoon. <laughs> also, a FIFA and Pro Evo, yes. like uni, Pro, Pro Evolution Soccer at uni. All day. It was great. Yeah. And FIFA later, before I know I moved out the lad's house, Mm-mm. got married and things, played my mate Shelley at FIFA, and I was Newcastle. And it's when we were rubbish, IRL a bit, but you had Ben Arthur. Oh. And he was just magic on this game because he was a magic footballer. And the streets a, won't forget. Yeah. And he's, because like the, the it's a game. It's not like a massive simulation. So FIFA developers don't care if, like, he doesn't work hard enough for the team or just goes missing because he can't be asked, He's just got all these skills and he's fast. I l- I'm not trying to be like Gareth from the office. <laughs> like, I skinned every single one of his players. Oh. But on the last right back, okay, I took it past him. And I thought, ah, oh, you haven't left yourself enough room to give yourself a good angle for the shot, yeah. sort of smashed the shot button and just went on the roof of the net. Oh, yeah. From, like, the most acute angle imaginable. My mate Shelly, with a um, wireless Xbox controller, <laughs> smashed it in the in the fireplace. I got more angry with him than he was at losing because it's like, that's my controller, yeah. that is. We had, uh, we used, I used to have uh, sleepovers at a mate's house before we were old enough to drink. Well, back when we were like... Well, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah. I'll have one Bacardi Breezer, thank you very much. Before it becomes the best. Yeah. And we, we'd we spend hours, hours, I mean, like, 4 a.m., the birds are chirping sort of thing, and all you've been doing is been playing uh, Halo, ca- like Capture the Flag on Halo, or Deathmatch, Team Deathmatch or whatever, and we had all this big, big setup, you know, like proper industrial, I'll bring this this and we'll set up these screens in here and you'll be in this room so no one can see this screen and blah 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 hours and hours we went into it and it finished i can't i don't even remember if our team won or lost but one lad who was uber competitive like your mate it finished we're like wow what an epic session that was i can't wait to see the um the data yeah he rage quit and turned the xbox off and we lost all of it and genuinely after that he was out of the friendship group we were like i can't we can't have that can't be having that. He's, nah, he's gone. <laughs> gone? He's gone. He's just cut out. That's it. You can't be doing that, mate. But that's... I love a rage quit moment. I love right. seeing them on, like... I watch those compilations all the time when someone's... My favourite is when they just, like, hoy it at the telly and they just the telly breaks yeah. and the controller and it's not even their house and they're like... Thanks. Or, or the other good one is... I can't remember what, it's, what game it is. There's one where I think someone, like like you say, just runs through someone's team, buries it, and the lad doesn't throw a controller. He puts the controller down, doesn't smash it, he just gets up, unplugs the PlayStation and throws it out the window. 
And I was like, you've considered that. You've had a second there to think this is going to be re- financially really devastating for me, but I'm genuinely so annoyed that yeah, that's yeah, it. Okay, I, I just don't even want that. a PlayStation in my life yeah. anymore. Um, anyway, back to Cole and MJF. Cole takes this moment of, like, MJF had no friends to play computer games with. Uh, he takes it very personally, pauses the game, says, look, Max, full disclosure, when we were forced to be a tag team, I had every intention of blindsiding you and sort of cutting you out. And MJF's like, ha, I was going to do the exact same thing yeah. to you. And uh, they laugh, and Cole's like, you know, he says, actually, defectively, you know what he you know, said? No, no, I know, know what he said. He says, hey, 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 you are right. And they, that, they do have back to each other, and they decide, let's win the titles, because we're better, baby. Baby. More of this later. Uh, and they win the tag titles in the, in the game and celebrate. Lovely stuff. A great bit of corporate synergy, that. Yeah. Just, and I was like, I already wanted you to win in this semi now. Now I'm fully invested. You know what? I'll tell you what I and like. I'm going to be shoot devastated when this breakup happens. I know. Me too. You know what I really like about this? And I hadn't really considered it last week when I said, you know, it's a bit more lightweight material. And yes, it'll get serious. But after the pillars, uh, it doesn't really feel like a one-on-one intense grudge feud is that. Tony Khan, and I've kind of not given him enough credit, he's really good at balancing the tone of his program because you don't want it to be intense across the card every week because then you get NXT 20, <laughs> yeah. 2019 and no one wants that. Oh. No one wants that ever again. Um, what's happening is that he's clever. Is that even though I'm not particularly emotionally invested and I think Tony Khan has complicated this blood and guts build, that is the intense main event rivalry yeah. that's peaking right now with this emotional crescendo, theoretically. Mm-hmm. I don't feel it, but that's what's meant to be happening. In the meantime, you've got this light uh, other main event story that will start to get darker and more intense and personal when this one is actually finished. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like, I hate when people say, hey, Tony needs help. Like He knows how to book. Mm. Yeah, there's no point blowing it all off on the same show because it just gets lost in the noise of it all as well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, then we get the other... Um, Tag team uh, blind eliminator semi. It was Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen versus Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. Obviously, a great deal of history between these participants. Um, Sammy does the pocket mockery at the beginning. They trade arm drags. Cassidy puts his hands in his pockets, and Sammy responds by spinning into his pose. Darby Allen comes in. And there's a nice moment between him and Guevara, handshake. Uh, Garcia tries to ruin it by interfering so he gets nailed by one of those Darby Allen suicide dives um, and Garcia comes back or gets his own back on Darby Allen by tagging himself in and doing that spinning front chancery uh, to take us to a break when we come back Orange Cassidy gets the hot tag runs wild uh, Garcia blocks the DDT but gets hit with the Mishinoku driver for a near fall Garcia dodged the orange punch put a body scissors on him into the dragon tamer Cassidy escaped and then there was stun dog millionaire stunner uh, Guevara comes in and immediately gets hit by beach break Garcia and Cassidy trade crucifix pins then there's a double down then the other guys come in they get knocked down uh, Garcia puts the dragon tamer on Cassidy at ringside. Here comes Prince Nana f- out of nowhere uh, and encourages Garcia to nail Cassidy with Darby Allen's skateboard. The referee's distracted by all this. Uh, there's a tug of war going on and uh, Swerve Strickland comes in out of nowhere, hits Darby Allen with the running knee, bails with Nana through the crowd and Guevara, who hasn't seen any of this as far as I was aware, hit the GTH on Darby Allen to get the one, two, three. Post-match, Cassidy checks on Darby. 
And uh, Sammy gets in there to shake hands and check he's all right, whilst Garcia, when they leave, is like, never mind that bell end. We're through to the final, baby. What did you make of this? Even though it was a, you know, screwy finish, it was a good smash and grab, well executed, I thought. Came out of nowhere. The referee was sort of completely unaware for once. Mm. You could believe that they just didn't see it. So I thought the finish was well executed. The result shocked me. Yeah. They don't like to beat Derby and Orange um, that often. Um, but I don't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> it didn't reach its ceiling as a match in and of itself. Again, that almost 2000 WCW blackness mm. of the lighting and the crowd or lack thereof. Um, just, again, it had this sort of pervasive feeling of a, this show could only be an eight. Like, you're never going to get a 10 with an atmosphere like that. No. And I don't know if I've just seen these wrestlers interact quite a lot in recent weeks. Um, and I was a little bit, I just didn't think it was as charming as it has been when you see the interactions between um, Cassidy and Garcia. And we've seen a lot of, Alan and Guevara and their best stuff as well. I know it just felt like a diminished return mm, from a that. lot of things I've seen recently. I just wasn't particularly wowed by any of it, even though some of the individual exchanges were just quite lovely. Mm. And I, it made me intrigued for the other semi, because I thought, well, I'm, I'm fairly confident MJF and Adam Cole's going to win, but like it's an intriguing prospect the other way if it was Big Bill and Brian Cage in there as well. So... Yeah, I, I thought they executed it really well. And in terms of uh, giving them an out, good stuff. Instead of just like you say, the referee going, what's going on over there? And just getting yeah. the, the skateboard spot just being done. And yeah, Swerve is, still hates Darby Allen, And he's going to play out later as well. Yeah. I, it was very nice of weaving of, of everything together. It was very deft. Yeah. Um, to count, I don't know. Actually, no, I'm not going to say to counteract this. But just in case there's any bell ends. Ready to be like, uh, this Nick Wayne guy wrestled on AW and I have no idea who he was, never heard of him. Despite the fact they established it last I week. I don't care about that, those people anymore. But they did a brilliant uh, recap again, telling the story of, and, 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 and the emotional heft of it all. They should do this no matter what people say into an echo chamber. Yes. It, it, they shouldn't do this as a response Good point. to people who are just going to do it in bad faith because they've got no lives. <laughs> um, they should do it specifically with this character. I don't necessarily need something like this for if they're going to bring in Kota Ibushi, for example. Ooh. But yeah. you do need it for Nick Wayne. And, and again, they did a fantastic job. Yeah, lovely stuff. Uh, as, as much as you can describe this harrowing story is lovely, I suppose. Like his promo was excellent, yeah. I thought. Uh, yeah, you talked about wanting to continue the legacy of the Wayne name. They talked about him in well, that awful story about his, his mom sitting him down to explain that his, his father was no longer with them. Um, didn't have a father figure. Training with Darby Allen from a ridiculous young age. Uh, and Nick said he'd been ready for this moment his entire life, uh, knowing what professional wrestling has meant to his family. Yeah. I mean, if, as if you needed any more encouragement to get behind him, yeah. this was it. Ultimate sympathetic figure, but he was quite composed. And yeah. I thought you got the balance of this promo absolutely pitch perfect. And I'm not just saying that because it's the nice thing to say under these circumstances. Like, it's a good job all of this was great because if it wasn't, you'd feel like an arsehole for burying yeah. it. But no, I thought um, he didn't seem like too sympathetic 
It just seemed like a really authentic, promising 18-year-old kid. Yeah, it didn't feel like he was just reciting it either. Reciting a promo he's been told to say. Oh, no, too. It felt earnest, felt impassioned. Um, I just thought they've just absolutely nailed all of this. Mm. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, right, Renee Paquette's backstage with Adam Cole. He's on the phone talking to Britt Baker and explaining what the hell he's been up to, effectively. Uh, Roderick Strong walks in and he's like, you, come on, you're not falling for this bollocks from MJF. And Cole's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got nothing to worry about. He's less convincing than he was yeah. last week in terms of, I'm not, uh, yeah, obviously, we're all just playing the game here. That's the beauty with MJF is he's such a deep sociopath <laughs> to his bones that... He plays people with real emotions, like, like just unbelievably yeah. well, because of course it's it's so clever as character work because he is so at the backstory and why MGF is the way he is is so like new ground and you know like sociopathy is like a medical disorder that if it gets around the idea that you cannot make your baby faces look stupid, like unless they sting and you don't care because <laughs> they sting, it's a rule of thumb. It's one of the biggest maxims in wrestling. You cannot make your baby faces look stupid or too trusting. And yet this character beat of MJFs means you can. Mm. You don't th- I don't think any less of Adam Cole for getting lured into this trap. No. Because he's just a nice guy taking pity on this person, you almost feel resentful for hating so much because, like, he's just a a, a child essentially. Mm. Um, and again, like, it's so well done because when MJF, I don't think he'll be a career heel. I think it'll take a long, long time for him to turn, or as long as he's going to be in the game anyway. When he does turn, you're gonna feel for him. Yeah, he has like he is just this bullied kid. Ultimately, he's. Uh Onions have layers and ogres have layers and MJF has layers. And the thing is, Adam Cole like looks at him and goes, oh, what an arsehole. And then he gets peels back a layer and he gets to know him. And he's like, oh, maybe he's not so bad. But then you peel back one more layer and you go, oh, no, this onion's completely rotten. Yeah. 
But you, until you've, like, on the surface, terrible guy, get to know him. Maybe he's not so bad. Really get to know him. Get too close to him. Oh, no, he is just all out for himself, but, and this is all a facade. And then you realise, like, well, why is it so rotten? Was it rotten to begin with? Mm, I yeah. just think, like, he just thinks years and years in advance, and I'll always get duped. Mm. Like, he's a snake. I am a snake, old man. Yeah. He said this out loud, and yet his portrayal of the character is so convincing. And and that's just it. I always feel like he could be redeemed. Mm. It's the, what is it? Is it the frog and the scorpion? The tail where it's like, yeah. don't sting me because we'll both die. You know, don't don't screw me because we won't win the tag titles. Yeah, and then they get halfway across, and then Scorpion stings the frog to go. And he's like, "Well, you done that?" And he's like, "Cause I'm a scorpion." I'm a scorpion. But what but, maketh a scorpion? Do we oh, do we all start as scorpions? Something huh? to consider. I know I take the piss in the last five seconds, but I genuinely think like yeah. it's really really well done. It's an incredible, yeah, story beat throughout his career, like you say. Yeah, and Cole says, ah, he's not so bad, you know, once you get to know him. And let's not forget, you and I had issues when we I'm first... I'm glad met. he said that. Yeah. Maybe that's why Strong's been involved in this from the start. Mm-hmm. Looked a bit grumpy later, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grumpy, Roderick Strong, in my neck brace. New friend. Uh, I can see... We'll get to it. We'll get to it when we get there. Uh, he says, uh, Strong's like, yeah, 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 but you, you are right. And it calls like, shh, shh, shut up. Um, I've got a message from uh, Max. He's uh, texting me saying that they want, he wants to hit the double clothesline tonight. No, wait a second. He's seen Brian Cage in the back, and now he thinks he's got the flu. I've got to go and get him. Great. Great stuff. Renee Paquette. And lovely Rod, little Rod way of putting Cage over. And then we got the match. Big meal. Brian Cage, MJF, and Cole. Uh, they do the entrance. Cole's kind of more forgiving again this week. Uh, Annie re- takes off the jacket to reveal the better than you, baby, shirt. Max is so happy that he goes, f- like, this is the bit where I was 10 years old. I was like, yeah, Max, body slam, body slam, body. And he tries to do it. Back gives out immediately. He goes, now, bollocks. Tries to leave and goes like, no, 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 come on. Let's get back in there. Talks him back into coming back in. And he goes, I'll, I'll get in there. He gets in there. Brian Cage gets in there. Look at Brian Cage. He does a pose. And Cole's like, oh, I can do more push And he does push-ups. Cole's like, I can do more push-ups. And he does. And uh, Cage is a bit pissed off by this. And he's like, come on, Max. Max gets in there. Big Bill gets in there, right? Goes for another body slam. Fails. And Bill's like, hey, why don't you try and do some push-ups to, you know, if your partner's doing push-ups, why don't you do push-ups? Max does push-ups. <laughs> Big Bill, yeah. give me three kicks him in the ribs. Oh my god! I love Big Bill. It's great. Give him the belt. Well, getting ahead of ourselves because we already loved Big Bill prior to this match. We loved him more when he did the hey 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 do some push ups. Point. Look at the size of him. You don't need to sneak yeah. attack someone. And then, oh my god, he rips off the shirt from MJF. Wipes the ass with it. Well, he doesn't just do that. No, so yeah, good I, point. I want to do a dissertation on the. <laughs> I want to yeah. do, do a really long-winded uh, meditation on the ass wipe because it's so great. It is absolutely fantastic. Okay, so he doesn't just do a heel taunt. Okay, he doesn't just do the one of the more basic mm. but effective heel taunts of wiping a t-shirt, a, a, f- flag, a flag, yeah. or anything else. With his asshole, right? 
He does the I'm wiping my ass with your T-shirt spot. <laughs> with the detailed character acting of Daniel Day-Lewis, he doesn't merely wipe his... Method. Yeah, he doesn't merely wipe his ass because that's just one choice. If you're a great actor, a great character, you go deeper with it. What's his motivation? Yeah. Big Bill <laughs> does not merely wipe his ass with a shirt. He wipes his ass... Does it again? Looks to make sure there's no <laughs> left on it. <laughs> then says, oh, it needs one more wipe. That is so great. Yeah. That is the big bill is taking the world by storm. I agree. And it's for brilliance like that. I think he is amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable that spot. And, again, back to 10-year-old me over here, the fume that not only comes from MJF, but also Cole, who knows what this shirt means to him, suddenly you're like, this, this is a transgression far worse than any, like, attack on people's family or people like that. I was like, that shirt meant the world to him, and look what you've done with it. you put shit all over it is what you've done. So... This fires them both up, but particularly MJF. Big Bill hits him with the right. MJF's like, another one, please. And he go, grabs him, he bites his fingers, and he body slams Big Bill. Like, yeah! yeah! MJF and Bill are both down, and uh, Cage comes in. MJF floats over, eye poke. I'm there cheering on the heel for the eye poke. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he's trying to get over to Cole. That was it, sorry. He got, he got isolated, so he's trying to get over to Cole. Eye poke, hot tag to Cole, who comes and hits a series of pump kicks, and then hits an eye poke of his own because he's he, he's been that guy in the past, and uh, uh, he kind of likes it. They've got nailed. They've, they've nailed Cole. Yeah, this has resuscitated his AEW career. And they go, they set up double clothesline. I'm like, in the semi, okay. Well, they go for it, but they send Cage into the ropes. He puts on the brakes, tags in Big Bill, and a big double clothesline for them. Actually, um, they, they set up for the double choke slam. Cole and MJF escape, start hitting super kicks left, right, and center. Cage gets them both, though, with his double clothesline, and then does a, what is it, like a fall-away slam and Samoan drop combo, yeah. both, which looked amazing. But Cage eats a super kick on the apron, heat seeker from MJF, Cole lowers the boom, one, two, three. This, right, there is a dissonance between your world champions doing a house show match on TV. Yes. But again... I will let this play out. I know it will get a real substance deeper into this program. I'm just enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, and I'm also a little bit anxious about how it all ends. I am really into this now. Mm. I am a believer. But, mate, for a... What was it Triple H called them? A T-shirt company? Yeah. They suck at making merch, right? But now I kind of want to buy that T-shirt. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't going to be over in about two weeks, I yeah, might consider yeah. it. Gen genuinely, I think you, if you and I ordered that today, by the time it had arrived, I don't think they've got a UK store, so it might have to be, I don't know, but probably by the time it arrived at What Culture Towers, it'd be over. On that, um, I've got an article either coming to whatculture.com slash WWE, it might already be up, of 10 iconic wrestling gimmicks you didn't know were stolen. Um, spoiler alert, one of them's just Kane, Blue Kane. Mm. And I wrote in that article, look, it's, it's a way for people to enjoy Kane because the real Glenn Jacobs is an asshole. Mm -hmm. 
So it's a neat little comedy bit that someone's come up with. And I wrote in that entry, the, how these things tend to turn out is this guy's going to get milkshake ducked. And by the time this article gets adapted to the video, it'll be completely out of date. His account got suspended on Twitter. Oh. So I, for violating the rules, I don't know what he's done, Uh-oh. but uh, it's always the way. Yeah. So post-match promo from the uh, successful babyface uh, tag team. And um, just like, uh, got any uh, devil, devil worshippers in the crowd tonight? And there's a Satan chant. Uh, he says, wow, I'm super over here in Canada. But someone else is too. Do the thing. thing. Do, Do the, the thing. thing. Go, baby. Bye-bye. And uh, MGF shields for the shirt. I love doing Adam Cole, baby, so much. Yeah. Was it the 2019 or the 2018 Royal Rumble where he was a surprise entrant? Whichever one it was. No, it w- must have been 18 because we were at Mania 19 and it was... No, it was for the Rumble. Yeah, but... I'll check. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's one of those years. We watched it in the old office because... Wasn't um, that 18? Because that was Nat Nakamura winning. Yeah, you did the live stream. Me, Murray, and Hamlet watched it so we could do some written material after it straight away. And I think Nicholas was there as well. Yeah. And Adam Cole came out. And I was like, oh my God, I get to do it. Bonus Adam Cole baby. And I was not expecting this. I was so jazzed to do it. And I did it. And I like coughed and spluttered like I lost my voice. <laughs> it was 2018. God. I made an absolute tit of myself, I did. That, oh, yeah. Quick, quick. It's time to play the game. Time to play time the to play game. game. <laughs> it never fails to pop me that... Friggin' button, man. So, Royal Rumble, legendary, of course. Uh-huh. It's yeah. all right. I think it might be my favourite ever, the 2018. It was awesome, that. So well done. It was my first, I think it was the first live stream we did under the new what culture, you know. Um, <laughs> number 30 spot. Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, reserve drum. I was going to say, can you remember who it was that uh, year? Hey, he'd left for a whole, what, three weeks? Yeah, oddest thing of all time. Also, I remember the main event because we were doing the gimmick where it's like, oh, if you if you win, you get the what culture championship, and if you lose, you have to do the punishment. It was like you have to do like a topless news, and all like all of us like pieces of trash unless you like Adam Nicholas. Basically, I was down to the final two, so it was like if yours was the last person eliminated, you have to do the topless news, and if it wasn't, you win the thing. <laughs> down to the final two, Jules Gill has Asuka, right. I have Nikki Bella. He's like, could go either way here. I was like, it's going to be the... What are you talking about? It's the Bellas have got a two-on-one advantage, and it's fucking Asuka. They can't mess this up. I'll give you a clue. They messed it up at the rest yeah, of the they, yeah, 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 yeah. Not then. No, no not then. They, they can get it. they got to at least get you up and then ruin your entire uh, yeah. support system for uh, caring about the wrestlers. Um, anyway, so he says... MGF says, well, getting close to hitting that double clothesline, and uh, gets a bit too... Hansy with Cole. He's like, stop that. Let's work on our boundaries a little bit. But it's time for start time with Adam Cole, baby. Uh, he says, never in my dreams did I expect a tag team with MJF to work. Uh, but now I've got high expectations, winning the tournament, tag team titles. If we stay on the same page, Cole promises you are looking at your new champions. And I thought for a second, we might be. Why not? We might be. You know, ding, ding, ding. We've got the title match. Obviously, we'll preview that tomorrow. But... um. 
Who knows? With Two out of three falls match might take it out of you. With these fluid character dynamics as well, they could work FTR and the Bing Bing Ging. Yes. And they they say they're better than you, uh, baby line. And that's when we say, Grumpy Roderick Strong. Oh, I've got my arms folded, I've got my neck hurts, and I'm probably going to screw him out of this tag. So one way or another, I oh, reckon... Oh, I didn't think of that. I don't know, they, they, they're laying on a bit thick with Roddy. They did it, they've done obviously the, yeah. you can't be serious with that, which is fine, but then they keep showing him watching every time. I think they showed it in the quarterfinal, maybe, if he costs them. What well, was a big elaborate trap set by MJF? And it's like... I was always going to do it, but Roddy's going to do it. And I get rid of the Cole problem because he's gunning for my title. Then it goes to Roddy versus Cole. Maybe that's his big... He loves a big elaborate master plan, just mm. the MGF character. So what if that is his plan? He wants to reform the Undisputed Era with him at the helm. Well, that, or he could just get Roddy so annoyed with Cole for buying his thing that Roddy then takes out Cole. They have to have a grudge program and, and MGF like, gets the night off. biggest threat to my title is gone. <sighs> that could be an all-out, all-in thing. Yes. That's a good point. Which one's first? All-in, I believe. Oh, that sucks, eh? <laughs> so you'd get... Which one? Oh, yeah, you'd get the... Because the way it would work would be like... Adam Cole has Strong, who's beating up Adam Cole for, like, believing in this idiot. And then it transpires that he do both matches, and Cole just narrowly gets past Strong. So that's a kind of way to prolong Cole, uh, MGF's title reign. Then again, you know, I could see Cole winning this mm. entire program outright. Yeah. But it's very, very, very good and funny sports entertainment. And you know what? There's a good version and a bad version of everything, even that. Even sports entertainment. Well, it's funny you'd say that, Michael Sidgwick, because we're backstage with Jake Hager now. <sighs> Renee Paquette's there. They're waiting outside Chris Jericho's locker room. They go in, and Chris Jericho hasn't just definitely been waiting for them. He's definitely not just stood in the middle of his locker room with a bottle of water that he's not drank. Walking. Okay. And Hager, you know, says, oh, no, you know, I know you knew we were coming in. Uh, he says, you're not actually considering joining Don Callis' family. And Jericho's like, well, Don Callis makes some good points. Talks about the history with... Bad news, Alan. Need some time to think about it. Jake Hager, Michael Sidgwick, takes off the purple bucket hat. <laughs> and he said, look, years ago, I saved you in Abu Dhabi. I left my career in MMA for you. You brought me here into AEW all the way back in the beginning. But until you can give me a straight answer, I, I can't stand by your side. And... Symbolic gesture of that. Jake Hager gives up the purple bucket hat that I believe he quite likes. I mean, what does it all mean? Um, I've watched so much wrestling over the years. Um, like, I think my first WWF Silver Vision Coliseum Home Video VHS when I was about six or seven years old. Probably, I want to say seven, six or seven. Either way, three decades of professional wrestling, okay? And in that time, I've watched some of the best things of all time and the worst. Mm -hmm. Wrestling's wild in that regard. 
I've loved it. I've liked it. I've fallen out with it. I've loved it again. Mm-hmm. Written books about it. Written books about it. Somehow, I used to go to John Menzies, which was a newsagent in the Metro Center, Red Quadrant, <laughs> as a young child, and I would read every single magazine and that my parents luckily would be nice enough to buy for me. And I just never dreamed I would be in wrestling media as my career. Mm. I've, my life has been defined by professional wrestling. I've watched, again, I've watched The Great, I've watched The Carter Omega Fall Live. The Zenith mm. of professional wrestling, in my opinion. I've also watched some of the worst stuff mm. in my entire life and been genuinely heartbroken when my parents have walked in to watch Kane <laughs> do uh, fire stuff and Bray Wyatt, like, do his supernatural stuff. And it's those moments where I genuinely do think, oh, what are you watching this for? Like, yes, there's some, there'll be a nice little technical match later on, but at its core, this is how stupid this is. This is how stupid the promoter thinks you are to believe in this sort of stuff. And I've watched The Undertaker, you know, shoot lightning. Mm. I've watched The Undertaker get sent to heaven, 1994 Royal Rumble. And I've watched these incredibly stupid, hard-to-believe storyline developments. And yet, mm. I've never found the idea of Jake Hager <coughs> ripping up his meal ticket. There's never been anything less believable than that. <laughs> like, oh, where? <coughs> Come on. Jake Hager's going to stop following Chris Jericho wherever he goes. F*** off. <laughs> this was so poorly acted. Like, this was terrible. Like, I try to be fair. No one cares if you're fair or not. No. But I try to be just because I don't ever want to be considered a bad faith grifter. Look, I like one show more than the other because it's just my tastes. Mm. This was, I've buried the bloodline acting. This is worse. This was so worse. The amount of exposition, like, in this exchange of dialogue was criminal. People would never talk like this. Chris Jericho's melodrama. Find out one thing he can't do. He can brawl, he can fly, he can sing, he can dance. He can't f***ing act. <laughs> oh, my God. I was s- slightly less in the mood when it was revealed deeper in the show that it's not going to be Jericho in the Blood and Guts match yes. anywhere. I thought, are they building Blood and Guts? Oh, my God. Yeah. The big blow-off between BCC and the Elite by doing a JAS breakup story and an elite versus dark order story. Just do five on five lads who hate each other. Oh, this was, this was a, a low moment in my life. Yeah. I just love the, oh man, he's giving the hat up now. <laughs> Absolute load of bollocks. Like really poor, like genuinely really poor. I, and maybe I am a little Can you biased. imagine Hager and Jericho doing a match where they're like, oh, can't hurt you, Jake Hager. You've meant so much to them doing inner conflict wrestling. Oh my god. I just thought it was amazing. Like, I would genuinely care more. Granted, this is me. If Stax gave his like fedora to Tony Dean was like, I can't be part of the family anymore. The hat. We all know what the hat is. Yeah, no. The hat guys. What next? Cool Hernan just gonna like give up the comb, guys. What? Stay in your lane. Yeah. It's a stupid, woefully out-of-date sports entertainment parody that it reeks of TNA now that the Fed's massive. Don't 
pretend this can be emotional. Don't. Or go full TNA and have them like have a hat on a pole match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just stay in your lane and realize the tone of what this is. Don't do melodrama with a J-A-S. Uh, it was time for the Owen Hart tournament semi-final uh, to see who would face either Willow Nightingale and Athena. Obviously, they're having their match on Rampage this week. It was Ruby Soho versus Sky Blue with all the bloody outcasts out there as well, of course. Um, Blue actually does well initially early on, slapping Soho in the face. She's on the apron. Storm tries to run distraction, Tony Storm that is, uh, but Blue just super kicks everyone, uh, drops Soho face first on the edge of the apron, but Tony Storm uses that distraction of the wrestling match, I suppose, to hoy uh, Sky Blue into the ring steps, but the referee's literally looking at them and finally says, right, you two, piss off. Yeah. Get out of here. Um, but Soho has already seen the opportunity to, to take control here, and she just nails Sky Blue's uh, knee into the steps and yells that the trophy's going to be hers as we go to a break when we come back. Blue is struggling, obviously, but she does manage to come back with a thrust kick and a neck breaker for a two count. Um, Soho managed to avoid, a, I think it was a step-up knee, and just targets the leg, of course. Blue wants, Blue wants code blue, um, but Soho counters into a single-leg crab, and Sky Blue has to scrape and claw to the ropes. Um, she uh, gets there, gets out of it, hits a spinning full Nelson slam for two, goes up top, but as part of that full Nelson slam, Ruby Soho, maybe she, has she broken her nose again? Or what's going on here? She's cr- you know clutching her face. She's getting the referee, go oh, ref, check it, check it, check it. But it's all a ruse, so she can crotch Soho on the top rope and hit a no future off the ropes to get the one, two, three. Ruby Soho, quite rightly, advances through to the final. I thought this was really good. Mm. I thought this was really good on a lot of levels and the level of thought I was really um, in admiration of. The idea to take the outcasts out was great in itself because you think, oh, there's no reason why she can't do it now. Yeah. Maybe that is why you do it a lot. Interference, interference, interference. Because the second that they are taken out of the equation and the interference is caught, maybe it means, oh, hang on. And we don't know who else is in the final. Like We would have known yeah, yeah, Willow, yeah. presumably, is going to win. Yeah, it, I worked the schedule and yeah. actually it's worked out in its favor. Um, so you do like think, oh, crap, well, there's no reason why she can't now. So then you start to believe that adds some tension and unpredictability and drama around the finish. And the finish was magnificent, like, especially with the character dynamic because Sky Blue isn't an idiot, but she doesn't have the experience. And Ruby Soho knows the dark arts because she's been in the game for a long time. And did you see the rule two? No. Control center. That's a control center these days. Um, Ruby was basically saying, I'm going to win this. Hmm. I'm, I'm sick of being a nearly there. I'm sick of being an also ran like those two defeats in my last two tournaments at TBS and the Old Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, have been really sobering. And she basically, you could see her doing this master plan in plain sight when she was cutting this promo. Um, Action wise, it wasn't blow away great. Um, selling possibly a bit on the nose. But again, you've protected her through the selling and the injury, the storyline injury, and through a faithful to the character dynamic. I genuinely thought this was really, really good. And I liked the the doubling almost of, right, Sky Blue's going to take a while to get to the top rope anyway because she's already injured. But just so she doesn't look like a complete dumbass, oh, well, you've kind of cost yourself there. Ruby Soho's also killing time by taking the ref and covering her face and what have you. So even when Soho 
even when Sky Blue gets to the top and he's ready to hit whatever, she can't do it because the ref's been taken in and then you've been used as a shot. I thought it was a nice, real nice touch that. And uh, yeah, quite right that Soho wins. But I did, yeah, I did have far more investment in this match than I thought I was going to because of the way that they laid it out with the outcasts and not knowing the other semifinals. I was like, well, maybe, maybe we do Sky Blue versus Athena. That could yeah. be interesting. Yeah. Really good stuff. Well, before I think that match graphic flashed in front of my mind. Yeah. Good stuff. Before we move on, one last thing to do. It's time to play the game! Time to play, time the, to play game. the game! <laughs> Not today. Before we get to the uh, name of the game, Sage, what's the aim of the game? The aim of the game is to identify to the hour, minute, and second the first note of the first entrance theme for the first female athlete to appear on Dynamite for the only match to just really underscore, italicize, and put in bold just how apathetic this is. And if we can just get it and nail it to the minute, hour, and second, it'll really tell people that they just don't care. And it's the same every week. Mm hmm. And the name of the game? Oh, the name of the game. Sorry, where are my manners? Well, this is ladies' night, and I'm thinking, oh, what a night. I got really excited when Ruby, Ruby, yeah, Outcast came out first. When Ruby Soho made her entrance, I do believe. Not because I thought I won. I was fairly confident that I knew which of the three of us had won this week. But I genuinely thought for a split second, we might have it here. So, Sige, run us through the uh, predictions we gave on yesterday's preview for the hour, minute, and second that we thought the first note of, I think it was the Outcast theme, hit on this show. Indeed, sending order. <laughs> Michael Hamflet, one hour, 11 minutes, 11 seconds. Michael Sidgwick, yeah, one hour, 23 minutes, 41 seconds. Adam Wilborn, one hour, 26 minutes, 42 seconds. I was quite confident when they dropped Jericho Commander at the beginning, because I was like, okay, so they're going to do the announcement, so they're going to do a, maybe, but... Shout out to uh, Adam Blair at Adam Wilton 4 and Jose Palomares at the Ho 11 who always take care of the um, data for this. But Adam Blair reveals at 1 hour, 20 minutes and 10 seconds it is another win for Michael Sidgwick. Back-to-back wins, I do believe that makes it. Baby! Puts you top of the leaderboard. Seven correct guesses on the year. Six for Hamlet. Four for me. But yeah, looking at the timing-wise, I wasn't exactly sure where we were and I thought, oh my God. This could be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's around 20, 23 minutes. And I was like, uh, going to get it. But uh, hey, you know what, Sige? Congratulations on that victory. But that, that wasn't the only... It's, it's not... They're only ever going to have one fucking match. Yeah. It's not the only women thing that they do on the show because it's time for Holly Cameron's music video. Mm. Rap lessons. Thoughts on this? Um, At least QT didn't rap. In the pantheon of professional wrestling rappers... Maybe someone. Marie doesn't really do much content these days. I'm not saying he's workshop. I'm saying he's like he's got yeah, uh, you know, a management role now because he really likes his hip hop and he knows what's up and what's hot and fresh. And I like hip hop, but I don't know. I'm not very up to like. I don't know who's got great technique. I know who's got bad technique, but I can't discern between who's got the very best technique. So I don't know who's. I don't know how to rate this technically, or who would be the best wrestling rapper. Caster and Cena are up there. Yeah. R Truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, right at the bottom, there's Enzo Amore. <laughs> Enzo Amore. How you doing? Did Phoenix, of course, infamously a rancid, uh, a rancid song. 
And he... The best way I can describe Enzo Amore is that he knew how to do it, but didn't do it correctly. Does that make any <laughs> yeah, sense? Yeah, I get it. He... he he could do an impression of technique. Yeah. He knew what was required to do it, but not know exactly how to do it himself. Is it harsh to say this was Enzo level? Because clearly she can sing. Yes. She's got the voice for this. She can do it like in rhythm. And there was like a real scattergun, like triple timed verse at yeah. one point. That wasn't remotely like sort of terrible. Um, but at the same time, I could barely work out what she was saying. Yeah. And it wasn't particularly good. <laughs> it was like, uh, you know what it was? It's like, you know when you get, like when you're playing guitar growing up? Mm-hmm. Um, or you get like amateur bedroom guitarists. People who can do dream theater riffs, but never write them. Mm. A bit like that, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't funny. <laughs> Wouldn't it not have made sense for it to just be really bad? Even that wouldn't have been good. Mm. Uh, this does not belong on... It was very QTV. Yes. Swerve Strickland versus a debuting Nick Wayne came next. Darby Allen brings him out, uh, but lets him... He's his own man, lets him walk to the ring alone, and you can see what the moment means to him. And I thought the lovely shot of Nick Wayne's mother sitting ringside as well. Um, not a great ending to the night for her if I'm fully... You know, acknowledging what happened later, where Swerve just like looks at her if he beat the crap out of her son. It was a great touch to have her there because she's going to look nervous about, you know, it's dangerous wrestling's inherently dangerous. God knows if James is doing it, I'd be like, Oh, God, yeah. But it doubled as, Oh, is he going to win? Yeah. That kind of thing. Sorry, before we go to the, before you do the recap, did you see Swerve Strickland on the control center? No, you didn't. You just, sorry, no. you just told us I didn't watch it. Cuts his promo, and it's so great. He's talking about, like, you know, Nick, you know, you want to be the latest in the long, great lineage of wrestlers from Seattle. There's Danielson, there's Darby, there's me. And, you know, like, um, yeah, you lost your dad. You know, says a different way of it to make the line better. So, no, you lost your father. Uh, I don't give a shit. I'm your daddy now. Oh. I'll do that. We've made us hate him. Great swerve, man. And he rules. Get the Keith Lee stuff out of the way. Not to dismiss Keith Lee, but get out of the way. Let's get him on the road to a world title, eh? Please. He's just brilliant, Swerve. Um, great opening sequence. Counter all over the place. Uh, and a snap Hurricane Rana from Nick and a leaping uppercut. But understandably, he gets kind of caught up in the moment, soaking it all in. Uh, and that allows Strickland to attack and take over. Um he goes for a DVD to Strickland on the apron, but Wayne counters into a Hurricane Rana that sends Strickland to the floor, and he is astonished by this and pissed at the same time. That takes us to a break. When we come back, Strickland's in control, but Wayne comes back with a Superman forearm and a shotgun drop kick. Goes for that springboard stunner. Um, Strickland blocks it. Wayne counters into a standing slice bread for two. He goes for that Wayne wor- Wayne's World springboard cutter, but Strickland catches him uh, and hits him with a couple of torture rack backbreakers. Crowd are well behind Nick Wayne at this point, as is Darby Allen cheering along from the ramp. Uh, and Wayne fights out of the corner with a huge avalanche poison rana. Hits uh, Wayne's World. Oh, my God. Hits Wayne's World, and I thought, that's it. It's over. I was a bit like... Oh, you've pinned Swerve again. But at the moment, I didn't yeah. care at that time. I was like, he's, he's done it. This is it. Hits Wayne's World. One, two. Strickland's foot's on the rope. You son of a bitch. Uh, they go up on the ropes. 
Strickland this time, though, counters a super horror and Karana into a super power bomb, hits the last call kick, and at that point, I go, well, that's it. But Nick Wayne to a decent pop. A decent pop. There was uh, no huge pop. MJF and Cole was over huge, but that was the only thing on the show, yeah. really. Gets a great, uh, great reaction to a kick out at two. But Strickland goes, okay, he's making me do this, is he? And he's really reveling in this, not just about Nick Wayne, but obviously his relationship with Darby Allen. And he smirks at Allen, does that horrible stomp thing that he does that is a bit akin to, um, remember when we used to watch Penta's thing, you were like, I, I don't know how you work that. Yeah. It just looks like it would just, you just go, oh, it's just going to suck for a while. Does the stamping on the arm. JML driver, one, two, three. Darby Allen, uh, Protects the lifeless body of, of Nick Wayne post match while Strickland stares at his mum. This turned into something really special by the end. Um, I was talking yesterday on the preview how this was like can't fail. Um, I did think maybe it would be a bit more special or a bit more drawn out than it was, yeah. but it did get to special territory in terms of the emotion they elicited. Like when he was selling his yeah. shoulder, I was like, oh man, it did get me in the moment yeah. of uh, suspended disbelief. And again, I was saying yesterday on the preview that was can't fail because if he was to do a botch or look a little bit apprehensive, he's 18 years old. It's going to mm-hmm. be one of those believable things you'll see on wrestling television if he slips up or makes a mistake. He didn't necessarily slip up, but there were certain moments where when he's ascending the turnbuckle, like you only trip over a curb, like he did sort of clip the turnbuckle with his foot before stepping onto it. And that was just nerves. But it's like he's an 18-year-old kid yes. making his debut on television. Like, give me more of those moments of hesitation or those slightly um, clunky elements of a match because, again, it's sometimes great stories or great art. Stories can be told or great art can be made even if they're not wholly intended by Mm. the author. And that's the beauty of art. flaws make it almost. Yeah, and uh, him sort of being a little bit like, oh, I've just caught the turnbuckle before I was climbing on it. Like... Ordinary, you'd think, oh, it's not very good. Mm. Then again, maybe in wrestling, there should be more of that. Mm. I do love a good work botch like Omega last week. Oh, my God. And then the Avalanche Poison Rana was amazing. Mm -hmm. That's when it really kicked into that special gear of he's really winning them over. And this was more dramatic than it had any right to be. I just wish this was in front of like 8,000. Yeah. 8,000, because that would have been proper Star is Born stuff. It was 8,000. He could see all the faces. He could do those panoramic shots. If it was in front of that kind of audience, this could have been a proper Star is Born overnight moment. As it happens, it was just a really nicely told dramatic story. Um, but Nick Wayne can't be held accountable for that no. gate or anything well, he like shot, that. He shone, yeah, in his debut. Really good stuff. Uh, we get the now even more preposterous rundown from Excalibur. Oh, this is wild. He did a great job. Yeah, I don't know how he does it, but it was just, what's going on? I have no idea what's what's happening in the next few days, but we'll be previewing. I love it. Battle of the guys. We don't have time to... It's going to be Statlander and what else? An ROH title? It's Battle of the Belt thing. He's trying to get the show cancelled. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. Christ. We've got, uh, we'll be previewing Battle of the Belts and uh, Collision tomorrow. But we will have a, a new rule we're going to implement. So tune in tomorrow for the preview. Yes. That re, re-Battle of the Belts because uh, the, the AW's history with it isn't the best, let's say. No, it sucks. Uh, so main event time or main event revelation, I suppose, because here comes Don Callis um, alone, walks to the ring. 
says uh, Omega and the Elite deserve what is coming to them at Blood and Guts. Omega's a coward. He's a punk. This obviously brings out Kenny Omega, who's uh, storming down to the ring to get his hands on this bastard. Uh, oh, ironic. Um, he gets attacked by Moxley and Takeshita. He sort of manages, he holds his own a little bit, and then suddenly he gets blindsided with a steel chair by a returning pack. Oh, my God. Brilliant, this. Brilliant. So he gets rolled in the ring. They beat him up. They uh, hold him there so Callus can put the boots to him with his snazzy f- footwear. And Pat gets the microphone and explains why he's the fifth man. Omega has no idea how long he's waited for this. Omega shattered his nose and took his trio's title from him. You, Kenny Omega, will pay the price. And they wrap a chair around Omega's neck and they're going to take him out of blood and guts, basically. Moxley asks Omega if he has any last words, and Omega, despite the situation he's in, starts laughing. He says, yeah, we've still got a fifth. Check the screen, you idiots. Everything goes black, and on the screen, we see a video package featuring the words, he is coming, and the he is Kota Ibushi. Oh, my God. He is the fifth member of the elite, the golden elite, uh, and the lights come back on because there's a bit, a bit of me thinking that going, cool. So you're going to reveal Kota Ibushi and then still die? Like, but when the lights come back up, of course, the Young Bucks and Hangman Page are in there to get rid of Moxie, Takeshita, Pack, and Callis. Uh, and Page gets on the mic and says, next week we end this once and for all. And Omega says, yeah, next week, blood and guts. This is about more than family, heart, passion, soul, friendship, love. People like the BCC are consumed with rage, and that will mean that you can never prosper. Callus, you will never win this battle. Next week, you will find out the hard way, hard way that barbed wire and skewers in the head are nothing compared to what we're going to do to you. When all five men are down, Kenny is coming for Don Callus, and Kenny concludes by saying goodbye and good night. Bang! Love this. I didn't. <laughs> I loved the uh, reveals. Yes. I love the reveals. I loved what I think it means for next week's Blood and Guts. I'm really interested in previewing it because I have not loved the last two matches. No. At the time, I had mixed feelings watching them. And, like, the highs were really high. Like, like the fork stuff in the first match. Um, was it? Um, cool hand and she was hung up in the in the yeah. cage. Like, in spots in patches, these matches are great, but the, the some of the parts, like it's what's this what's the expression? Um, some of the parts more are than the whole or whatever. Yeah, more than the some I've of their butchered parts. Butchered that. Yeah, I'm sorry. More Either than way, the part, overall, right? overall, I've thought oh, I didn't like that very much, and it was a massive disappointment. I think next week's will be better for a specific reason. I'm looking forward to getting into. Um, I loved the red herring of Jericho, even though I've got concerns. And again, I'll elaborate on next week's preview, all going well, not everything. Um, but the motivation for Pac is perfect. Yeah. And again, for the second time in AEW Law, because this happened at All Out 2019, you get your heart broken because one of the coolest matches of the best wrestlers is out. Pack is just a great, great substitute because for the second time, the first time he thought he was out of AEW altogether, and the second time he thought, well, you just don't know when he's coming back. And it's the perfect guy because he's an elite wrestler. You've had l- more than long enough to miss him, 
And again, he's got all the reasons in the world to hate Kenny Omega. They've been kind of like nemesis for pretty much <laughs> the entire duration of the promotion. And Kota Ibushi's, Kota Ibushi's one of the best wrestlers of all time. Oh, my God. And I, I've got a spot I want a fantasy book. But I'll save till next week. But it's going to be great. Whatever they do. Oh my God. The actual execution of this was shoddy. And again, every single moving, lots of moving parts in one angle with the BCC and Elite. I don't think they've ever nailed no. these ambitious moving parts angles. Like, I don't know if they're just not very good. They're all a bit clunky and unfocused. And it's just never worked for me, the angles, which is weird, but the match quality's been great. Um, I'm glad to see the back of the storyline. They've said once and for all, AEW upholds their steps. So yeah. let's end a very, very, very ambitious failure with something incredible. My core problem with all of this is that it's all been hinged on mystery. What's Dikesh to do in the background with Callus? Is Callus what's trying is Callus trying to do something with Paige and Omega? Who's the mystery partners? It's never been this intensely personal. Mm. There's five people. Hate the other five, and let's kick each other's asses. Um, the surrogate CM Punk stuff. I'm just glad to see the back of it, and I think it's going to end in quite spectacular style. Yeah, pleasantly surprised with this swerve of of, of Pat because when Callus came out, I was like, get on with it, get Chris Jericho out here, and we can get, so to, the, makes, get to the Bushy stuff. So it makes the Bushy look better. Yeah, by comparison. But yeah, really, really appreciate that, and like you say, the justification of it all. <laughs> Had a fun experience watching this at home. Um, because Anne Louise was was watching this over my shoulder. <laughs> she said two things. Well, she said one thing and then I asked her a question. She said initially, Oh, that's um he's from Round Here, isn't he? That's Neville, isn't it? Which is hilarious. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Fantastic snapshot into what, you know, wrestling fans who aren't in our bubble still there's, there's a Neville guy, isn't it? Yeah. Which is amazing. And also Neville, what a name. They announced Kotorobushi. Obviously, I barely know anything about New Japan as it is, so pick it up from you two. And Louise is even let she's like, who's that? And I try and give her this uh, you know, my very basic description of his uh, history with Omega and the books and the elite and what have you. And then I thought, she doesn't know anything about Kotorobushi. I went, How old do you think he is? Look at him, he's Kotorobushi, right? And she'd been watching for the like the last five minutes of the Nick Wayne match. And I'd sort of said, oh, this new kid, he's literally just turned 18. He's now all elite, blah, blah, blah. She went, he looks a bit older than that kid from earlier. So I'm going to go 21. <laughs> what skincare routine is Kota Ibushi? What is he, 41? Uh, something like that. God damn it. I want to check, actually. Kota Ibushi is 41 years of age. Jeez. I watch Kota Ibushi matches tonight. Yeah, send me some to show Anna Louise because I, I think I was watching the one of his. What do you call what, what is it when he called when he no sells and he just starts looking at someone? People call it unfortunately murder boy. Yeah, I've got a murder boy spot fantasy booked in my head for next week. Oh my god! There you go. Looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, let us know your thoughts on uh, on the reveal of, of Pack and Ibushi uh, and. Going forward, what, what you think about blood and guts and your thoughts on this entire show at What Culture WWE? Uh, watch they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and Andy will be here later on for a Q and A podcast and. 
Myself and Michael Sidgwick will be back tomorrow to look ahead to Collision and, of course, Bills. But for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 